the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The Al Conservador Radio Show is sponsored by George Rodriguez on 9.30 a.m. The Answer. Time for the El Conservador Radio Show with George Rodriguez. George is a constitutional conservative who loves to expose fake news and liberals. Be a part of the show. Call 210-308-8867. And now, El Conservador. George Rodriguez. Howdy, 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 my friends. George Rodriguez, El Conservador, talking to you from San Antonio, deep in the heart of South Texas on KLUP 930 AM. How's everybody today? Let's jump into uh, some uh, some news for immigration because uh, we've got a couple. Of, we've got um, three very good interviews for you later in the show. Uh, one with uh, with uh, Apostle Claver, who has his program on Raging Elephant Radio on podcast. Uh, and uh, Claver is uh, is really really knowledgeable of what is happening in Austin with state politics. So we're going to get Claver to give us uh, an update of what's happening in the Pink Dome, as we call it, in Austin, Texas, uh, with uh, with the um, new legislature, and give you uh, a who's who. Uh, secondly, we've uh, got uh, uh, two interviews. Uh, th- this is Texas uh, history. Is uh, Texas History Month is coming up uh, pretty soon here? Uh, our celebration of Texas independence, and uh, there's uh, there's some big deals going on, my friends, here in here in Texas regarding uh, the issue of the Alamo and um, uh, reimagining, uh, as they call it, as well as the idea of um, uh, how the history of the Alamo is going to be presented. It's uh, you know it's one of those things again where uh, liberals are taking a uh, a a uh, view of uh of uh, texas history that's a little less than uh than what it should be in my a little less than honest in what i i think i you know the the i've always told you folks that that um history is politically incorrect it's nasty it's uh it, it it's it's real and uh sometimes you know you've got to talk about uh the bad along with the good and in this situation uh, we've got a lot of folks who are trying to um to uh, change Texas history, to give it a, a, a spin and a presentation that it really, really isn't. So we've got two uh, folks talking to us um, about this uh, former Texas land uh, commissioner, uh, Jerry Patterson, and um, uh, Brandon Burkhart, who is with the uh, This is Texas Freedom Group. And um, so we've got a couple of uh, those two interviews in a few in a little bit. So uh, hopefully you'll stay with us. But let's jump into the issue of um, of uh, immigration update, immigration news update, my friends. First of all, first of all, um, big, uh, big news happening last week where uh, a uh, judge uh, okayed. Uh, the census question that a controversial census question regarding immigration status that uh, a lot of uh, a lot of Democrats were really really upset with. Um, Democrats did not want uh, the question asked as to whether or not a person is legally in the United States because uh, they fear that people will not answer it, and if they don't answer it, then uh, the con- the um, the uh, community, the state, will get less money because money is federal money is based on how much. Uh, uh, how much population you have in a community or in a state. And so there's that fear that uh, illegal aliens are not going to answer that question. Well, again, my friends, if they're here in the country illegally and they don't want to answer the question, well, I think that that, uh, that's, <laughs> that, that gives you an indication why they don't want to answer the question because they're here illegally. And thus, uh, you know, uh, why, why should our taxpayer money go to um, someone who's broken the law? So, uh, you know, I applaud that. Uh, we will see how far that goes uh, without more legal challenges. But for, for now, the census question regarding illegal immigration or the status of immigration is going to stay. The other thing that, uh, that happened recently, uh, and I really, really uh, want to jump on this a little bit, because um, Tom Brokaw with NBC, he got himself in trouble last uh, week because he said – in uh, Meet the Press, 
they were having a discussion about immigration. And uh, Brokaw made the comment that Hispanics should work harder at assimilation. Uh, again, my friends, ooh, the uh, the left went had a meltdown about it, particularly uh, uh, professional Hispanics, as I call them, professional Latinos, who are not melting into American society and do not want to melt into American society and who uh, want to self-segregate. That self-segregation is hurting them, my friends. Hispanics live next door to Latin America, and their language and culture is constantly being refreshed, uh, along with uh, the problem with Spanish-language media that keeps it alive. Uh, the problem is, my friends, that in doing that, they are self-segregating. I mean, this is completely different than, than you had with black Americans who were forcefully segregated. In this case, they are self-segregating, and this is a problem because we cannot have two, uh, two separate societies going on. I mean, how often do you call a uh, business and it's uh, press one for English or prima dos para español? I mean, you know, at what point do people begin to mix a- into the society? Let's face it, our society is very, very diverse, very, very diverse, racially, ethnically, uh, religiously. It is very, very diverse because we are a nation that, uh, that, has, that is following a, uh, a pattern that no other nation in the, in, in the world has ever done. And in doing that, we've got to find commonalities. That commonality is the national identity, being American. That's what it is. I've got a good friend of mine, who, um, uh, black American, who was a... Um, uh, a, a uh, foreign uh, officer for the United States in uh, Africa for almost 20 years. He was in Kenya. He was in Uganda. He was in uh, South Africa. You know, and, and just like me, when I went to Mexico, I realized how much of an American I was. When he was in Africa, he realized how much of an American he was. He, uh, you know, we are Americans, my friends. We might have the skin color of those foreign countries because maybe that's where we originated, those foreign lands. But we are Americans, my friends. We crave uh, country fried chicken. We crave football. We crave basketball. Duke won the the, the other week, last uh, weekend. <laughs> anyway, um, I divert. Uh, the, the situation, my friends, is that is that we've got to melt. We've got to, uh, you know, we've got to find commonalities. And unfortunately, there are people who want to divide and conquer. Texas uh, congressman. Uh, Joaquin Castro uh, just went off the the rails on Brokaw and called him ignorant. Well, let me tell you who's ignorant. Julian Castro and Joaquin Castro. They're the ones that are ignorant because in self-segregating, all they're doing is hurting is hurting their own folks. Uh, a couple of other items, a couple of other items real quick. Um, ice. Ice in North Carolina, uh, in just two counties, ICE arrested over 200 illegal aliens who were working. Uh, some were even working in a, uh, in a gun factory. The interesting thing about this was that the arrest occurred in Mecklenburg County and Wake County, uh, two counties in North Carolina that are notorious for, 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 for trying to uh, be sanctuary counties. Um, the uh, ICE spokesman uh, showed how illegal immigration is impacting those, co- those counties and uh, yet, the pro-law enforcement officials in, that, uh, in those counties, uh, for example, Sheriff McFadden, Gary McFadden from uh, Mecklenburg County, he completely, completely opposes uh, ICE going in and doing anything of, the na- uh, of, of any raids, as well as he uh, refuses to have his uh, sheriff's officers uh, cooperate with him. You know, among the people that were arrested were, uh, were, were known criminals, people who are wanted for theft and uh, even a couple for murder, my friends. This is, this, this is the, the, the sad situation that we've got. Uh, in, in, in folks not cooperating with, uh, with American, uh, with, with the uh, ICE folks, my friends. At any rate, okay, we're getting close here to, um, to our first uh, interview. Uh, let me remind everybody again, my friends, KLUP, 9.30 a.m., you can go to the... Um, you can go to the uh, website of KLUP and you can find El Conservador or you can go to elconservador.net and you can find uh, more uh, information, writings, et cetera, et cetera, commentaries. And, of course, you can go to Facebook and Twitter, El Conservador, and you can find more uh, writings and, and uh, uh, commentaries. But more than anything else, my friends, we want your support. We want your uh, help in, in continuing to uh have our show to speak out about freedom, freedom and liberty in South Texas and other places as well, because 
you know, we're uh, they're one of the very, very few um, Latino, Hispanic, whatever you want to call me, Americans of, of Mexican descent who are conservatives who uh, who speak out about the Constitution and America and Texas. So until uh, let's uh, let's uh, go ahead and take a quick break, and we will be back with our first uh, interview, Mister uh, uh, Claver. And uh, give you an update about what's happening in, in Austin uh, with the uh, with with the state legislature. So uh, thank you for being with us. We'll be right back. Hello, El Conservador listeners. If you are interested in following George Rodriguez, El Conservador, we invite you to follow him at his internet website, elconservador.net. You can also follow him on Facebook at George Rodriguez El Conservador and on Twitter at El Conservador for daily commentaries. You can also purchase his book, El Conservador, Conservative Opinions, online at Amazon.com. The book contains essays and commentaries about illegal immigration, fake news, and race relations. Finally, you are invited to his next speaking engagement at the Far North Dallas Tea Patriots on Thursday, February 21st at the Coverica Building, 5999 Summerside Suite 200, Dallas. If you are interested in inviting El Conservador to speak to your group or event, Please contact him through Facebook or through the station at 930amtheanswer.com. El Conservador thanks you for your support. Keep the fire of freedom burning. All right, folks, once again, George Rodriguez, El Conservador, talking to you from San Antonio on KLUP, 930 a.m. Let's, uh, I've got a very, very special guest uh, on today, and we're going to be talking about what's happening in Austin. Uh, we've got uh, Apostle Claver Kamal Imani, and he is my godfather when it comes to um, to radio because he's the one that got me started in this thing. So uh, I want to welcome him because uh, he is um, he's in charge of Raging Elephants Radio, RER, and Raging Elephants Radio is what I consider the premier uh, radio podcast as far as state and local information and news. Uh, folks, like I've told you before, unless we've got, unless we've got a handle on what is going on locally, unless we've got a handle on what's going on locally, worrying about what's happening in D.C. doesn't do us a bit of good. So anyway, let's welcome Clay. Clayberg, welcome to the show. My friend, what is going on under the pink dome? Can you tell us? G-Rod, my brother, my fellow broadcast actors, my fellow combat journalist, my brother. It's good to hear you, man. <laughs> Congratulations on the new show and everything. And your, your comments in the introduction are way too kind. Reggie Elephants Radio wouldn't be anything if it wasn't for you helping us launch and being uh, a charter broadcast activist. And I still pray for the day when uh, um, the revitalization of that will continue. Well, the first thing that I want to talk about, George, is we battled for so long, since 2009, to change the regime in the lower chamber and, and the upper chamber as well as the Senate. But we, we talked for so long about changing the lower chamber and its leadership. Someone that, um, that you're in House District 121 and your state representative indeed was the former Texas speaker of the House, Judge Strauss. And in 2000, 2009, the Liberty Movement Tea Party activists in Texas have been trying all that they possibly could, including prayer and fasting, to get Joe Strauss out of office. So finally, the pressure, especially from some really courageous patriots in Bear County, got the job done, and from across the state as well. Um, and, and that's because of something that you always say, George, and you alluded to it in your opening comment. You know, you had a man. You have a mantra that you, a slogan that you say all the time. I don't know how often you say it, but you would say it all the time when RER, the defense of liberty begins in your own backyard. And I continue to repeat that in public speaking, even this, this past Friday. The defense of liberty begins in your own backyard. And what Bear County was able to do for Texas in helping to get rid of the Strauss regime was amazing. Um, and so finally, after, you know, 10 years of struggle, to hopefully get a liberty movement agenda forward, uh, Strauss is gone, 
and we have Dennis Bonin out of Brazoria County. So the big question becomes whether or not there's really a huge change in what we can expect between Bonin and Strauss. The first thing I think they that your listeners need to know in Bear County, George, is that Dennis Bonin was Joe Strauss's speaker pro temp. That's that's the first thing. So the closeness there working together with Strauss was there already. Secondly, there were some patterns that Strauss demonstrated, just some overall macro patterns that Strauss demonstrated during his regime that for the sake of time is just easy easy for comparison. We would criticize Strauss profusely, me personally. I even had the I even had the opportunity to ask him a question about it uh, at a Texas Tribune coffee. Him giving away appointing chairmanships to Democrats, a third. After that two thousand and ten criminal election, the two party election when in the twenty eleven legislature the Republicans had a one hundred and one seat supermajority, Joe Strauss still gave one third of committee chairmanship to Democrats. That's amazing. And, That's outrageous. And, and and when asked about it at the Texas Tribune, and even when I asked him about it, I mean on two two separate occasions, he vowed that as long as he was speaker of the House, he would continue that practice. <laughs> you know, where there was some tradition, so I started tradition, or you know, his argument was he didn't want the Texas House to devolve into something like Washington and that these Democrats got votes too. So one-third of committees, chairmanships, would be given to Democrats, and in some instances, the entire leadership, chair and vice chair, would be given to Democrats under the Strauss um, regime. And this is in a time where Texans, especially after the 2010 election, had completely repudiated Democratic policies and soundly had stated that they didn't want them having any say in any aspect of their lives. And Strauss is just giving away, after all this hard work, he just gives away the power of the gavel, you know, to one-third of the Democrats. Well, is, is Bonin different? That's the question. Yep. Is he? Is, is Bonin different? And the numbers are simply the numbers. Now, in this session... So far, there has not been any special select committees created. But of the 34 committees in the House, the GOP has has chairs of 22. And the Democrats have a chair of 12. Wow. So if you look at the percentage, once again, you've got pretty much just a third, 35% of the chairs of vital committees, once again, going to Democrats. Now, it's, it's kind of strange that in the vice chairs, it's, it's split up pretty much, pretty much evenly. But, but there's one thing that Bonin has done that I, I have not been able to see um, that Strauss used to do, and that is giving all Democrat leadership. There, there are four committees where there is all GOP leadership. So um, so at least that's an improvement. But at least that is, that is an improvement. Now, there are some troubling appointments um, that I think um, we, should, we should focus on. Um, but first of all, you know, George, we have something called the Raging Elephants Radio Liberty Scorecard Average, right? Right, right. And... What it allows us to do is score the performance of, of legislators, just no, no differently than students in a classroom, passing grade, you know, a C is a 70, B 80, and an A would be a, in, in the 90s. Um, and, and even Rice University uh, political science uh, professor, Dr. Mark Jones, has recognized the rhinoceousness of the Texas legislature in the past decades and especially under the Strauss regime. So um, 
does it continue now with Bonnet? Well, let's look at the RER scores um, for all the chairs of the 34 committees. The average Raging Elephants Radio Liberty Scorecard average for all the chairs is a mere 50.32. You're kidding. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Out of a possible 100, 50.32. So, so the good thing is that they're showing up. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, okay, well, then look at this aspect of it, okay? So you could say, all right, well, he's got 12 Democrats that he's appointed as chairs. And, you know, and they're... they're scores are in the single digit, some of them, right? Um, so that pulls the, the average down. So let, let's eliminate the Democrat chairs, and let's, let's just look at the GOP chairs. And the Raging Elephants Radio Liberty Scorecard average is a mere 66.72. So you still don't get a passing grade wow. chairs that are there. So what you have is still another regime of chairs that have an immense amount of power they control the legislation that goes through the chamber that are plutocratic rhinos. It's, it's it, you know, this is not any kind of draining of the Austin swamp, if you will. Okay. What, what, once again, once again, repeat that, because I think that is a key point that people need to understand, that these chairs control the legislation. And right. it, um, I, I'm still trying to put final numbers. I mean, uh, the chairmanship of the committee, any committee, has a dollar value to because when it comes to campaign donations, right? And so, you know, getting a, the, the, the gavel of any committee is absolutely vital because, yes, the Speaker of the House will assign the over 6,000 bills that get filed every legislative session to specific committees, but it's the chairs that decide what bills are going to get hurt. <laughs> so there's a there's a strangle point there. Let, let's uh, we've we've got just a little bit more a little bit of time left here. Give us an example of critical legislation that needs to be heard that might not get to see the light of day. Okay. Well, one final point on, on the chairmanship: Homeland Security and Public Safety. Speaker Bonin appointed. Democrat Pancho Navarrete to be the chair of that. I just want people to know that. Open borders, sanctuary, pro-sanctuary cities, pro-drain act, That's amazing. Pancho Navarrete to be the chair of Homeland Security and Public Safety. Amazing. Um, so is there going to be a difference in 2019? Bonin regime versus Strauss regime, we'll see. I think it'll be minuscule if, if there is any improvement at all. Now, um, obviously, uh, the big stick, Jonathan Stickland, once again, has introduced constitutional carry legislation. So, uh, Matt Shaheen, or I'm sorry, Tony Tenehoe, I do believe, has once again introduced abortion abolition legislation. Uh, but the Texas Right to Life, when I spoke with their legislative director has decided that they are going to try and take a more incrementalist approach. Um, and the same thing with um, uh, property taxes from Texas Public Policy Foundation. I had a chance to speak with um, James Cantero, who, held, who heads up their uh, Center for Public Policy, or, or I'm sorry, Center for Local Governance, and they, Texas Public Policy Foundation, has completely changed the strategy from complete abolition of property taxes to a more incrementalist approach. So in my opinion, they, what, what they've done, they acquiesced, acquiesced, capitulated to the strategy, if you want to call it, of Dan Patrick, uh, Paul Bittencourt, and others um, that are just nipping around the edges. When the legislative priority and the 2018 primary ballot, Texas GOP primary ballot, calls for the abolition of the property tax so that we can have private property in Texas. So the Pink Dome continues to deny us the right of private property and pacify us with the idea of saving, like when the battle was over in 2017, $300 million, um, you know, for a state like Texas, three J.J. Watt contracts in property tax savings is what they were battling over 
ultimately, when the people of Texas, the largest voting bloc, the GOP base, has said, we want property tax repealed and prohibited. So uh, on those issues, it's, it's going to be iffy if we get anything done on it at all. Legislative priorities of uh, Governor Greg Abbott, once again, were squashy, squishy, you know, rhinoceros, nothing aggressive. Um, and we have to look out for um, red, backdoor red flag laws on gun legislation. Yeah. There's bills being filed, especially by Democrats, that will allow that to happen. We've got to watch that extremely closely. Battle for transportation and toll road, the elimination of toll road proliferation in Texas is going to be crucial. Another Democrat has been put on the head of transportation, Terry Canales. So we got to watch that. Um, uh, Clever, so much, George. Yeah, Clever, Clever, uh, we, we've, we've got to, we're, we're getting ready for a, for a, uh, a break here. But um, let's let's get you back on next week because we want to talk specifically about the, this legislation and the chairs that are either killing it or or pushing it and uh, and, and and get you to, to discuss, uh, you know, uh, to tell us a little bit more about it. And that was Clever Kamal Imani. From Raging Elephants Radio, and this is George Rodriguez, El Conservador, talking to you on KLUP 9.30 a.m. All right, my friends, uh, George Rodriguez, El Conservador, once again. And uh, we've got a special guest with us, a good friend of mine, Jerry Patterson, who used to be the... uh, Commissioner for the General Land Office here in Texas, uh, not too long ago. He, uh, in fact, uh, interesting, interesting item that I found about him is that he was only the second Republican since Reconstruction elected to that office. I, I, it's amazing, folks. People forget how democratic, how how the Democrat Party d- dominated Texas for such a long time, and he was only the second one. The other thing that I find very, very interesting, and I give him a hard time of. He used to be a Marine pilot, and the whole idea, my friends, the whole idea of somebody flying onto a moving boat, really, really, I don't know. I mean, I can't parallel park, so I have a, I have a difficult time in understanding that. Jerry, welcome to the show. How are you doing? Hey, good to be here, George. All right, let's talk, Jerry, because you've got a lot, a lot of, of, of good information and, and background regarding uh, the history of, of Texas, and we're getting ready. I mean, in another month or so, we're going to be celebrating Texas Independence, and uh, which is a big deal to us. I mean, a lot of the a lot of the rest of the the, the the other states, as well as the rest of the world, sometimes doesn't understand how doesn't understand how really important Texas Independence Day and Texas Independence in general is to us. Now, one of the things, and uh, I want to preface it with this, um, the, the protests that are going on down down on the border right now regarding the thousands of uh, Central Americans that want to enter the United States, uh, I recently saw a uh, poster that said uh, that was welcoming or wanted to welcome these uh, Central Americans to occupied Mexico. I found that to be very, very interesting. Occupied Mexico. So let's talk. Let me let me ask Jerry about this whole idea of Texas independence. Uh, you know, because we've got a lot of scholars talking about it. A lot of liberal scholars, should I say? Jerry, tell us a little bit about um, about Texas independence, because I know you've got a great deal of background information on it. Tell us a little bit about that. Well, independence and seeking independence has been a driving force throughout world history and. On this hemisphere, of course, we started in 1776 when we sought independence from Great Britain, and along came 1810 when Mexico sought independence from Spain and achieved it, I think, in 
logical as Mexico being occupied Spain. Uh, it's just not true. Uh, and the other interesting thing is for those folks that are revisionists of history, or maybe they just don't know it, uh, they need to recognize that Texas is unique in that it was the only successful rebellion by a state against Spain, against Mexico. Um, there were several other states in rebellion during the period 1830s through 1840s, uh, Yucatan, Zacatecas, uh, and Yucatan's particularly interesting because Yucatan uh, was very independent and frankly needed reinforcements uh, for their nautical uh, rebellion against uh, Mexico, and they hired the Texas Navy for $8,000 a month to help them. Uh-huh. We had a Navy that was working for Yucatan independence. So if, in fact, um, Texas is the evil rebel state that now is merely occupied Mexico, then we were not alone in our wish to be up from under the despotic Santa Ana centralized government that had abrogated the Constitution of 1824. Um, so that doesn't float. I mean, that doesn't fly. I mean, that's just horseshit uh, or horseman or whatever you want to use. You know. <laughs> Um, yes. You know, it doesn't fly. And the other myth that these people will use is that the rebellion of Texans against uh, Mexico was all about slavery and white people wanting to keep their slaves and bring their slaves here from other parts of the U.S. If that were true, well, then why were Zacatecas, Yucatan, Tabasco, Sinaloa, Morelos, uh, and other states in Mexico in rebellion? Because Mexico had outlawed slavery, uh, and in in, uh, in statute anyway, but slavery still existed in, in Mexico. That was the peon class, were essentially slaves, and the moneyed uh, hacendados, you know, would steal the land, and those folks had no rights. They were essentially in slavery, theoretically free, but nonetheless in slavery. So if slavery were the issue, then why did those other states attempt secession as well? Um, they're just clueless when it comes to history. Yeah, it, it just appears like like they are again. You know, this whole idea of of taking statues down that, which is another issue that we can talk about at another time. But taking down statues, take revising uh, history. I mean, it, it it seems like they're doing it for the sake of convenience rather than for the truth. Well, they don't. Again, they don't know history, or they choose to ignore it. Um, and if they were to apply the standards they apply, uh, apply to. Uh, Confederate statues, and, and frankly, they're talking about Texas statues of Texas heroes as well. Yes, they are. Uh, if they were to apply that same standard to Abraham Lincoln, his statue should come down as well. Abraham Lincoln was a white supremacist. He supported a constitutional amendment to forever protect slavery where it currently existed. He had some, he called, and by the way, he called Mexicans a mongrel race. That was Lincoln in 1858. Uh, he, you know, supported the voluntary deportation of slaves to Africa or Central America, uh, he was a white supremacist. And and I always like to use the analogy, when I was land commissioner, I sponsored a commemorative license plate for Buffalo soldiers, a unique and uh, part of our history that we should be aware of and, and honor and recognize. But if you think about it, um, a commemorative plate or a statue to Buffalo soldiers would that not yet come? Would that not come in question as well? Because did not the Buffalo soldiers participate in a genocidal war against an entire race of people, the American Plains Indians? That's right. And enslave them on reservations. So, if you're going to apply the standard uh, today's standard, which is becoming ever evasive uh, as a result of the what's going on in Virginia, um, <laughs> you know. Oh, my gosh. Um, then you have to apply it equally. And you'll find that by today's standard, virtually all of our heroes and icons come up short, whether it's Washington, Jefferson, uh, Lincoln, Lee. They all come up short. Uh, so uh, it's a slippery slope. Right now they're only focused on the Confederate uh, part of the slope. But that's not the end. It, it will continue, and everything will be in jeopardy uh, based upon some... Uh, you know, standard generated by somebody who I call them the professional offendee class. They, their entire life, they're professional people looking to find ways to be offended <laughs> and then acting accordingly. They're professional offendees, POs, if you will. Exactly. You know, let me ask you then this question, because 
you know, the, since we've raised the issue uh, or we've t- discussed the issue of removal of statues, one of the things that's being discussed now is, um, you know, uh, altering, uh, or at least that's what, how I interpret it, and altering the uh, the history of the Alamo, the, the battle, minimizing it by uh, including all sorts of other historical aspects to the whole area. Uh, how important is the symbol, is the symbol of the Alamo to uh, to Texans and Texas independence, would you say? Well, it's uh, not just Texans and Texans, the Texas independence. It's the iconic symbol known around the world about, uh, you know, 183 to 200, the numbers in question, uh, folks knowing they were going to die, but dying nonetheless in the cause of liberty. It is an inspiring, iconic uh, uh, presentation anywhere in the world, uh, with, without a doubt. Uh, and the problem at the Alamo now, it, it's not that there's anything wrong with including the other aspects of Alamo history, and there's a lot of interesting history that's not related to the battle. The problem is they put a laundry list of things that shall be included, and while all those things are important and significant, you cannot include all those things without diminishing it's physically, time-wise, uh, uh, impossible to cover that entire list, laundry list of facts, without diminishing what happened in uh, in in, you know, in February and March of 1836. That's exactly right. Uh, so I see nothing wrong with talking about the mission the mission period or the indigenous native of, of people that live there. I see nothing wrong about any of that. It's just that you can't do all of it if you're going to have a a visitor at the Alamo, and you try to teach them all that, you're going to diminish the message of the Alamo. That's exactly um, right. Yeah. It's not, to say, it's not that we shouldn't talk about that other stuff. And frankly, I'm one of those that believes, you know, I'm a retired Marine, Vietnam veteran. Um, you know, I have respect for my enemy in that um, conflict. Uh, I would not mind participating in some memorial service to dead North Vietnamese. Um, and I have no objection to honoring the Mexican soldier. I would have an objection to honoring Santa Ana. <laughs> the Mexican soldier served honorably. He was usually a conscript, uh, treated poorly, starved, sometimes barefooted. And, you know, he answered the call as he understood it at that time. So, But there's a difference in honoring a Mexican soldier and honoring Santa Ana. And if they get into that... Uh, uh, effort. We need to make sure that we don't glorify Santa Ana, because even the Mexicans today are not big fans of Santa Ana, and they weren't then. Even though he was president about six or seven different times, uh, he, he was a guy. You know, he's kind of like it wouldn't go away. Yes, <laughs> a bad penny that kept turning up. <laughs> yeah. so, so that is a concern. That is a concern. Uh, I li- I like it. I like that that uh, that description. Jerry, we're getting close to uh, some. Uh, we're getting close to our end here. But um, uh, do you see? Do you think that um, this uh, situation with um, with with the Alamo uh, can we get back? Can can we uh, get you back on the show and and chat a little bit more since you were land commissioner and you've seen uh, you know how they're talking about uh, it? absolutely. Uh, and I'm concerned about some of the things that are going on at the Alamo and some of the things going on at the Alamo. I'm not concerned about. I'm. I'm That's right. And they have a tremendous amount of leverage, for example, because the cenotaph uh, belongs to the city. It's on city property. So when it comes to the cenotaph dispute, uh, San Antonio is kind of the 800-pound gorilla. Uh, and, and the good news is, is they're not moving it to the original location, which would have been out of sight, out of mind. So while the location they're proposing now is better than the original, there's still no reason to move the cenotaph. If we were to try to restore the Alamo compound to what it looked like in 1836, I can see moving the cenotaph. But we're not doing that. We can't do that. We have the federal building, the post office building that covers up where the north wall was. We're not tearing down those buildings where the west wall was. So we can't get to 1836. So there's no reason to move the cenotaph at all. I like it. I like it. Jerry, thank you very much for being on the show with us. We've got to get you back so we can chat a little bit more about that because uh, I think I think listeners need to understand exactly what's going on in that aspect of it. 
Uh, we want to thank uh, Jerry Patterson, our former uh, land commissioner, for coming on. And um, we'll get him back on so we can chat a little bit more. Hello, El Conservador listeners. If you are interested in following George Rodriguez, El Conservador, we invite you to follow him at his internet website, elconservador.net. You can also follow him on Facebook at George Rodriguez El Conservador and on Twitter at El Conservador for daily commentaries. You can also purchase his book, El Conservador, Conservative Opinions, online at Amazon.com. The book contains essays and commentaries about illegal immigration, fake news, and race relations. Finally, you are invited to his next speaking engagement at the Far North Dallas Tea Patriots on Thursday, February 21st at the Coverica Building, 5999 Summerside Suite 200, Dallas. If you are interested in inviting El Conservador to speak to your group or event, Please contact him through Facebook or through the station at 930amtheanswer.com. El Conservador thanks you for your support. Keep the fire of freedom burning. Hi, folks. Once again, George Rodriguez, El Conservador. And uh, we have a, a special guest with us uh, who is very, very involved in the issue of the Alamo here in San Antonio, uh, Mr. Brandon Burkhart. And Brandon is uh, with the, uh, let me make sure that I've got the correct uh, name of the organization. This is Freedom? This is Texas Freedom Force. This is Texas Freedom Force. Thanks, Brandon. <laughs> All right, so w- welcome to the show. Brandon, tell us, uh, tell us about uh, this, uh, tell us about the organization and how you got yourself involved in it. I guess sir. This is Texas Freedom Forest. It's a historical nonprofit organization, and we work on the preservation of Texas history. Um, we do work on a few other issues here and there because our motto is protectors of all things Texas. But uh, the most part of our, our uh, mission is dealing with Texas history and trying to make sure that we preserve it for future generations. Um, I am the president of the organization. I've been the president now for the last about a year and a half, and uh, we, we've worked on issues like the Alamo, uh, Travis Park Monument, uh, the Lee Monument in, in Dallas, Texas, as well as the uh, Confederate plaque and many other uh, historical issues that are going on in Texas. Now tell me, what, from your perspective, from the organization's perspective, what is going on with, uh, with the Alamo and with uh, Travis, the, the, the Travis uh, statue and the statues up in, up in um, Dallas? What, what is going on? What do you, what, what, how is it that you got yourself involved, and what do you think is going on here? Well, I mean, after we saw what happened in the New Orleans with the, the monuments being removed, uh, we kind of understood that, that the far left is, uh, is attacking our history um, simply because uh, a lot of them want to rewrite history. And they would like to tell it uh, a different way than what it, the actual facts back it up. And so we got involved with it uh, simply because we heard that uh, they were going to go after a Sam Houston monument in Houston, which uh, we brought out 1.5 thousand Texans uh, to surround the monument and protect it. And from there, uh, the organization was born. Um, and we've worked, uh, you know, from doing everything from basically having uh, rallies at at these monuments to show support for keeping the monuments. We talked to legislators in Austin. Um, we have spent, uh, last year, we spent a total of 87 meetings in San Antonio talking about the Alamo. And uh, it, we're basically just trying to make sure that our history is preserved so that future generations will be able to learn from this because, you know, as the wise man once said, those that do not know history are doomed to repeat it. Uh, well, last week I was in I was in Del Rio, uh, or should I say in Eagle Pass, and I saw a very interesting protest sign there that said Occupied Mexico, referring to Texas as Occupied Mexico. <laughs> what, uh, I mean, where, you know, where where is this coming from, what do you think? Well, it, it, from what I gather and the information that I've known from being around the political realm for about the last decade, uh, the Castros are probably the the uh, uh, source of all this. Of course, we all know that Julian and Joaquin Castro's mothers, uh, mo- their mother uh, was a part of La Raza, 
and uh, she has made uh, several different quotes that she'd like to bulldoze the Alamo, and she would like to see Texas returned under Mexico's control. Which is incredible, which is absolutely out- outrageous. <laughs> it's like saying we'd like to see Massachusetts return to England. I mean, it, it just <laughs> it's just uh, incredible. Um, go ahead. Even with that, you know, if, if they wanted to go that route, well, then, you know, then Texas could be returned to Spain because Spain had it before Mexico did. Right, and probably had it for a long, long, much longer time than Mexico did. Exactly. <laughs> uh, it, it, it's uh, the the organization. I mean, we know that there has been a real effort here in San Antonio to reimagine, as they put it, as they call it, reimagine the Alamo. What is your take on that? Uh, reimagining the Alamo. Well, we know that uh, once again the Castros are involved with this, and uh, that uh, the District One Councilman Roberto Trevino, as well as Ron Nuremberg, our mayor, uh, they've had close ties with the Castros, and um, and Trevino has gone out saying that uh, you know that the Alamo defenders were slaveholders and that they want to tell the perspective from the uh, the Mexico's uh, military, uh, their army, uh, their side of the story. And then, and Trevino's even gone as far as saying that he would like to see a bust of Santa Ana put up on the actual Alamo, which is a slap in the face to all Texans. Incredible, incredible. You know, it's like honoring the Japanese uh, pilots at Pearl Harbor. Uh, It just, it's amazing to me, this, uh, this craziness. Um, what involvement, uh, you know, uh, the, uh, the state, what involvement do you think the state has had in this, particularly George P. Bush? I mean, has he been responsible since, since there is an, an, uh, some, some degree of involvement by the state, uh, in the Alamo? Well, our take on George P. Bush is he's trying to use Texas as a stepping stone because just like all the other Bushes, he's wants to become president at some point and and i'm sure he's going to try to make a run for governor first before that but uh, uh he has ignored the will of the people and we proved that during the fight to save the alamo cenotaph um you know there was petitions with thousands and thousands of texans that had uh, had uh, responded and and we we sent those to him uh, uh we, we have tried to talk to his office uh, we, we've done everything possible to show that the majority of Texans do not want the Alamo reimagined. Now, we're all fine with the construction that needs to be done as far as repairing and uh, making sure that the Alamo will stand, you know, for, for a lot longer. One of the issues is the uh, the heavy roof that was put on the chapel itself, uh, which was put up by the Army Corps of Engineers. Um, now, you know, we have better materials nowadays that we could use for that roof that are much lighter and won't put as much stress on the walls. And uh, we think that a lot of that contributes to some of the, uh, the issues that the Alamo is having. Another thing is is that they, the city and the GLO claim that the, the cobblestone streets in front of the Alamo cause vibrations, um, which is, you know, making it uh, uh, chip off in places and stuff like that. Well, it doesn't take an Einstein to to realize that, yes, a cobblestone road is going to cause more vibrations versus, say, an asphalt road that's put up. Um, and, and they could go about the way that they could stop this stuff a lot differently rather than just closing off streets and and uh, digging down. I, I believe it was 18 inches that they want to dig down. And, uh, it, you know, it's it, they're going about it all the wrong way. And... The final product that we'll see if they get their way is a, a reimagined an Alamo of where they can make money off of it. Uh, I think that that's one of the, the main issues. And I'll give you an example. Uh, you know, the city has, has claimed from day one that they're trying to bring reverence to the Alamo. But anybody in San Antonio that was around during the final four could easily go down to the Alamo and they could see that right in front of the chapel were uh, news media tents, uh, portable buildings, basketball hoops, um, you know, trash that was piled up at least waist high, and I'm six foot four, so that kind of tells you how how tall it was was built up there, um, all on the Alamo footprint. Now, if you're trying to bring reverence to the Alamo, that is definitely one way not to do it. 
they they think that they're mostly just concerned about making money. Um, they want to enclose it with, uh, initially they wanted the glass walls. Of course, that was tossed out. Now they're going with a different barrier that will do it. And they say that it's going to be free right now, but you mark my words. As soon as the barriers are up and they get everything in place, uh, the museum built and all this other stuff, they're going to funnel people through one entrance and they're going to place a surcharge on you. And that's going to be to make money. And I think that that's what's driving most of all this, along with the ideology of of wanting to rewrite history and uh, to tell both sides of history, which, you know, I don't believe, nor does our organization believe, that any uh, monuments to tyrants should ever be erected. Exactly, exactly. Um, here at the end, uh, we're, we're getting ready to close up, uh, close up uh, our, our uh, interview, but uh, can you tell us about this uh, event that's going to be happening uh, on the 23rd? Yes, we have started hosting an annual march at the Alamo to honor the 13 days of battle, which everybody knows is the Battle of the Alamo. Uh, we're going to have some, some really good speakers out there. Uh, we have yourself, uh, El Conservador, George Rodriguez. Uh, we have Dr. Alma Arnando who will be out there speaking. Matt Pena will be out there speaking. Uh, myself will be speaking, but we plan to march completely around the Alamo like we did last year. Um, we will lay a wreath at the Alamo in front of the chapel. Uh, we will ring the bell 13 times to signify the 13 days of battle. And, of course, have a moment of silence uh, uh, during the ringing of the bell. And uh, it just is just a way to remember our fallen heroes. Uh, we're having it on the anniversary of the first day of the battle. And, um, and it's a way to, to show our thanks, you know, for giving us Texas. Because without the Alamo, uh, you know, Texas probably wouldn't be Texas. Exactly. I mean, my grandparents and my parents always thanked Thank the Lord that we were born in Texas. Uh, tell the folks how you can um, how how they can follow you or, or where they can locate. Uh, this is Freedom Texas. Uh, yes, you can, you can find this is Texas Freedom Force either on Facebook under that name. This is Texas Freedom Force, or you can go online to our website at txfreedomforce.org. Wonderful. Once again, we want to thank Brandon for uh, joining us. And uh, we will uh, keep this to uh, how we progress with this battle, uh, with this issue of the battle of Second Battle of the Alamo. Thanks, Brandon. Yeah, thanks, Mr. Rodney. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com. <laughs> 